Most people settle because they don't know how to maximize the potential that God has given them. Welcome to the Thrive College Podcast, where we help young leaders navigate the challenges and opportunities of their future and faith. Each episode, we'll be giving the mic to young leaders to ask tough questions to some of the world's most influential voices. We're excited you're here with us today. Let's dive in. Welcome to the Thrive College Podcast. I'm Dina Davidson, host of the podcast. We've got some amazing students. We're going to mix it up. We're going to introduce the students first. What? Ooh. Sorry. I'm not going to introduce you. Special guest, honored guest Yikes. in the studio. Leans. Hello. My name is Leans, and I'm a Thrive College student, and I interned for middle school ministry at Bayside Granite Bay. Nice. It's like you almost forgot what church. No. <laughs> I was like, wait, do I want to say this? But yeah. Oh, do you not like Bayside? Is that- oh, no. I love Bayside. I'm just scared someone's going to... Find you. Find me. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to be so awesome on this podcast that someone's like going to come stop me. I like your That's confidence, Leans. Yeah. So uh, You're in a fun mood. Oh, I am. You're like, oh, <laughs> I love the podcast. <laughs> Living my best life. Oh, man. Ty. Uh, my name is Ty, as yeah, Dina said. Um, I am a intern at Bayside Granite Bay for worship. Nice. Okay. Yeah. What's your favorite worship song? Favorite worship song. Currently. Uh, Touch of Heaven by David Funk I up at Bethel. You were actually contractually obligated to say a Thrive Worship song. Oh, yeah. oh God, I failed. Yeah. No I longer failed. work here. Where do you work? <laughs> Bayside Church. Come on. I'll be hearing about that one later. <laughs> yeah, you will. Second favorite. It, no, I'm just totally joking. Okay, Touch of Heaven. Going to have to give it a listen. Yeah. Love it. And we have Pastor Kevin Thompson in the here studio with us. Here we are. He just says it plainly. Um, we were talking before about how you brought your Bible and that like no one on the podcast has brought their Bible. He's a holy so, man. I don't know. I don't know what they're thinking, but this yeah. is this is what uh, we live by. Just <laughs> yeah. this is kind of Maybe our. Maybe they book. have it in their hearts. <laughs> sure, they've memorized it. Yeah, <laughs> that's definitely what has happened. So a little bit about Kevin. So he's our married life pastor here at Bayside, and let's say Bayside as many times as possible in this podcast. You know. Mm-hmm. I'm saying base 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 yeah. uh, he's our married life pastor but also you uh, spent 19 years in Arkansas being a pastor you were six years teaching pastor 13 years lead pastor That's before it. you came to Bayside I was really practicing yeah. that math I was like in my head get this right get this right get this right and then you're also the author of numerous amazing books so give us one of your books and the one you're writing now so yeah, so Fearless Families kind of tells my story of kind of my own experience with anxiety, and then my son's experience with that as well, and then uh, yeah, about to release or have just released uh, a book called Stay in Your Lane. Love it. Stay in your lane. Sounds good. Can't wait to read it. Things you should never say to your mother. Ah uh, yeah. You can read for yourself. Can't, yeah. Don't don't say. I actually um, said that to Pastor Ray one time. Yeah. What you, was I thinking? You told him to stay in his I, lane? I didn't think That's, about uh, the phrase. I was like, I was trying to encourage Pastor Ray and say, hey, he was saying, I should do this. And I was like, no, Pastor Ray, that's like, that's not what you're great at. Like if you were to divert your, not, <laughs> yeah. okay, this even sounds bad. I was not saying that's not what you're great at. I was saying, if you divert your attention from that into this, then you're going to, our church is going to miss out on doing what you do best, which is encouragement. Like our pastor is so encouraging. Anyone who has met Pastor Ray knows that. And so anyways, I was like, wow, Dina, way to be incredibly disrespectful. And because he's actually an encouraging, kind pastor, he didn't reprimand me. He just kind of looked at me funny, like, (laughs) oh, little young pup in this meeting. We'll just pass right by. So now that I've confessed that on a podcast, let's get back to Mr. Kevin. We've got um, some rapid fire questions. Okay. Where were you born? Where do you live now? And then tell us one thing from your youth you wish more people knew. 
<laughs> wow. <laughs> I'm going to have to take my time on the first two questions. So I was born in Fort Smith, Arkansas, mm-hmm. and uh, currently live in Auburn, California, about 40 minutes outside of, of Sacramento. Uh, as far as one thing for my youth, I, so I had maybe the most boring uh childhood and youth of, of all time, which, which means I don't have much of a testimony, but, yeah. uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I, well, maybe the most interesting thing is when I was still in high school, I married my sister. No, what? J- what? no jokes, Ty. I'm sorry. I, what? I did the ceremony. Explain yourself. Okay. Oh, I did the ceremony. Oh, wow. I was, okay. Where I married my sister. I married wow. my okay. pastor. Okay. Y'all just took that Arkansas thing to a whole new level. Yeah. I was like, what? I was going to be like, let's end the podcast there. We're not taking marriage advice from this man. Oh, that's so fun. You got to perform. I did the ceremony. The marriage yes. of you. Okay. All right. So jumping into the wow. questions, I don't know if we're going to be able to cover from that vision of you marrying your sister, but um, we always love to pass the mic to the Thrive College students on the Thrive College podcast. So Ty, you want to kick it off? Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, So my question is, uh, just being as an intern, you kind of get a glimpse of kind of balancing life and ministry and school and all these different things. But as someone who's been uh, working in ministry for a little longer, what would be your advice to balancing um, ministry as a whole and just working and also like family uh, your kids and your own well-being as well. You know, it's a great question that I don't think any of us ever fully get right. And I yeah. think I'm probably the last person that should be talking about this. But I, I mean, one thing for me, work-life balance ha- ha- was kind of the rage phrase for a long period of time. And, and a lot of people have done away with it because it, it almost implies that there is this perfect sweet spot of 50-50 where I give you know half of myself yeah. to work and half of myself to my family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then everything works perfectly, but life doesn't work that way. Totally. And so I, I love the word integration from from this idea of work life integration. How can we, how can I be fully capable at work, in family, and all those things, and bring the the two together to where they aren't so much competing for each other? And so, and I think we have to watch out for a couple of things, especially in ministry. We can, on one hand, sacrifice our family for work and do it in the name of God. Uh, on the other hand, we can actually turn family into an idol to where we're not working very hard, yeah. claiming I'm all about family. I, I, won't, I won't sacrifice my family for the church. I will expect my family to sacrifice for the church. Yeah. And, and so there's a difference that is there. But but I think to, to recognize that it, the question is, what is this season require of me. So there are seasons of life. We're right around Easter when we're recording this. This is a season in church life that is extremely busy. Family knows that. They understand there's going to be a little less time. Well, then on the other side of that, then there has to be family is more demanding at this time. It's going to get more of me. Mm. And so it's never a balance as much as it is which one needs the gas pedal right now, which one needs the break, right. and try to figure that out as best you can. And you have to have a very open relationship with with your spouse or whoever you're, you're doing life with so that in a non-threatening way they can say uh-huh. that. You know, it, It's been several weeks ago um, in, in which I fell into bed on a Sunday night and uh, and I told Jenny it had been a crazy couple of days. And I told Jenny, uh, you know, in the in the last twenty four hours, uh, I think I worked nineteen of them. Wow. <laughs> and she goes, "Wow!" And I only needed one of them. <sighs> and she didn't mean that harmfully. Totally. She was just saying, "Hey, wake up here." That literally, I only needed an hour of your time, and it would have changed everything, but I got none of it, and the church got all of it. And so to have that kind of relationship where you can have an open conversation about how is this going for you right now, I think that's a a vital aspect. Yeah. 
And do you think that's uh, really uh, transformed your communication as a whole with your family, just having to deal with all that? Yeah, and I think it's a byproduct of, of maybe having healthy communication. I think I think it's it it, it empowers us to to maybe confront some things that other people wouldn't confront. Yeah. I, but I will also say this. To, to recognize in, in the college years that, yes, we have to have times in which we break away and we have to have, have rest and all that, this is also a season of intense work. Yeah. And there's 100%. nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and to, to I- indulge in that, to recognize, that, all right, this is a moment. I don't have kids right now. I don't have a spouse right now. I can work more yeah. in this moment of life. Uh, I, I think whenever, even whenever you think about uh, how God set up the world, this idea of the six plus one model. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of people that don't do the one. They don't do the Sabbath. They don't rest, and there's consequences for that. There's a lot of people that don't do the six. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, and they're all about this idea of rest, but they're not about the concept of work. And so I think to look at it through both lenses is important. Yeah, that's good. That's so, so good. Leans? Um, do I say my next question? <laughs> yes, I'm okay. so sorry. I love that uh, I caught you doing that. So you're like, yeah, like, <laughs> I'm in the middle of this work life, not balance, but more rhythm and gas pedal conversation. And you're like, okay, yeah, actually, go ahead. You okay. can ask your second question. Okay. Um, I have heard the term attachment styles and just people talking about them, but I don't know what that is. So I would like to hear you kind of like, like your take on that and like, what it means and stuff like that. Yeah, so so attachment theory is a theory in psychology that, that is basically this concept of, of the way you were taking care of your first two years of life now helps you understand how you identify and recognize yourself, how you identify with others, and how you identify with God. And, and that that creates within us a style, and so 50% of the population has what's called a secure attachment, which means your original caregivers were reasonably responsive to your needs. They could, whenever you were in distress, they could meet those needs, and you learned my needs are important. I can depend upon other people, and uh, and through this relationship, I can be soothed and seen and understood. Half the population doesn't get that. And so uh, what, what you end up with is an insecure attachment style to which some are going to respond saying, you know what, my needs aren't important. And so they weren't important enough to be met then, they're not important enough to be met now. And so I can even have a struggle to understand that I even have needs. And that's called an, kind of an anxious attachment that's there. Others have an avoidant attachment, which is I can't trust you. Mm-hmm. I can't trust other people to meet my needs. And so they go through life kind of pushing intimacy away, even though they desperately long for it. Uh, and then there's a, a third type that only happens in, in cases of severe abuse and things like that called a disorganized uh, attachment where we kind of have a mix of the two. But here, here's what I find interesting about it. Let's, let's step outside of attachment and go with with what I just kind of call a basic love style. All of us, based on how we were loved at an early age, have learned how we view ourselves, how we view others, and how we view God. And here's the truth. All of us have been loved imperfectly. Mm-hmm. I don't care how great your parents were. My parents were great. Uh, and so it's not for a lack of love, but either a lack of skill or a lack of opportunity. So if you had a parent that was sick as a young child, if they, if they went through marital troubles, uh, that was there, or maybe they just didn't know, there were times in which you had needs and those needs weren't met. Yeah. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is, for nearly every person listening, the greatest wounds that we have in life were caused by somebody who was supposed to love us and didn't. Mm. Wow. And that creates a wound that is within us. 
And it happens so early in life. Again, not a failure of desire on their part, oftentimes just a failure of skill or opportunity. That impacts how we view ourselves, how we view others, and how we view God. But here, here's what I love about how God so often operates. So an attachment style is not something we're stuck with. Hmm. It's, like a, it's like a pathway in our lives that uh, we coped with what was going on in our lives, and it helped us at the time. But what saved us yesterday could kill us today, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so what allowed us to endure then could actually prevent a healthy relationship from this moment. But what all the research has shown is that we can actually impact uh, what attachments we have now. And so here's the picture I get from Scripture, I think. Our greatest wounds in life were caused by somebody who was supposed to love us and didn't. And yet God so often heals those wounds by pouring his love through somebody who didn't have to love us mm. and yet chose to. And, and so you think about what happens in the church, and then ideally what also happens in the family is that very thing. And so Jenny does not have to love me. The church does not have to love me. Mm-hmm. And yet the way God gets his love to me so often is by pouring it through somebody else and then giving it to me. And so I I grew up with an anxious uh, attachment. And so the way my mind operated early on in life with parents that loved me, uh, no question. But but because of circumstances, my needs weren't always met, seen, valued, understood. Uh, And so I grew up just in this hypersensitive awareness Mm -hmm. of you could leave me at any moment. And so, uh, you know, Jenny, who has a very secure attachment, has this, you know, it's just loving me and has no idea how one thing she could say could freak me out, mm-hmm. right? But what's happened over time of her faithfulness and love to me now over 22 years is I, my, I'm actually growing more secure in that love. Mm-hmm. And so while my, my deep wound was come from, from people who were supposed to love me and, and just weren't capable fully, uh, now Jenny, who doesn't have to love me, is choosing to do so, and that is impacting right. what's going on. So attachment style folds into all of that, and it really is the driving impact on our relationships that nobody really pays attention to. But thankfully, technology, psychology, and, and research is starting to bring much of it to light. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Would you say that like that would be like the only way to, in a way, like break a negative like attachment style is for someone else to like come into your life and to like love you the way that you need to be loved? Yes, but but we have to be careful about that because I don't want to take that into uh, all right. Then then I have some insecure attachment. I need to go find a relationship, mm-hmm. and that's going to make it all all right. right. In reality, my insecure attachment is actually going to make that relationship bad. Mm-hmm. I'm not very careful. Wow. Yeah. But God heals us in community. Mm-hmm. That's what He does in the church. That's the beauty. Totally. We are communal beings created by God. The Trinity created us. He created us into a family. Uh, he, he's saved us into a new family. And so there's no question that in this community that that is where healing takes place, as He pours His love through other people. It's one of the great encouragements to us, the reason that we should love other people. That is God pouring His love through us that in part is going to heal the wounds of others. We're not healing them. His love is doing it, yeah. but it's happening through us. And so there, there's no question. This is the power of the church, power of small group, the power of strong friendships, mm-hmm. uh, and then also the the opportunity found in romantic relationships. But if we don't recognize our own history, we will repeat it uh, until the day comes that our eyes open to it to understand why what we're doing. Because here's here's the difficulty. Uh, so I, I think about this. I, so I live up in Auburn, right? And, and so I, I will regularly go preach at the Blue Oaks campus. But also on the way to Blue Oaks is Raisin Cane's, which is my son's favorite <laughs> restaurant. And so if I'm not paying attention, I can be in the car with my son Silas, and I'm not paying attention, and I just go to Blue Oaks. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. because there's a map in my head of how to get there that I don't even have to think about. Mm-hmm. Right. It takes intention for me to step outside of that map and take a different turn. We've all experienced that while, yeah. while driving. The same thing is true with your relationships. Hmm. Your map formed a brain, uh, formed a, uh, your, your brain formed a map of here's how I operate in this situation or circumstance. Wow. Mm-hmm. And if we're not aware of that map, uh, literally, we will begin to repeat behaviors from our past, and we don't even know why that's happening. And so, so why is it that two people can say the exact same thing to you, mm-hmm. and with one it frustrates you, with the other one it doesn't? There's something in the person that frustrates you that is triggering something from your past, mm-hmm. and it could be wow. unbeknownst to you that their eyes look like the eyes of your original caregiver, that their tone looks like sounds like the tone of your original caregiver. You don't even know it. Your brain is full of these maps that have already been created that you will naturally take unless you're aware of them and make a conscious decision otherwise. And so to discover those, to then rewire your brain is where the power is. Let's say someone's mind is just blown and they're like, oh my gosh, I um, first of all freaked out to be a parent knowing the impact. (laughs) I'm thinking about my like one and a half year old. I'm like, I have six more months (laughs) to give them a secure attachment. And I am like, by the grace of God, hopefully I will be able to um, and Shane. But let's say someone's freaking out. Their mind is blown like, oh my gosh, I have all this from my past that maybe I have no idea about how it's influencing my present and casting a shadow over my future. You gave us the tip of getting into community because what happens in relationship is often healed in relationship. What else can we do to make sure that our future relationships and our future families are not defined by the stuff that happened that wasn't so great yeah. in our upbringing? Yeah, I, I think the, the real power in that, and this is something we're working on here, I mean, it, you know, we do everything under the label Change the Odds, so changetheodds.com has some of this. When, whenever I do a wedding ceremony and, and a couple says, I do, what they often know the least about is the I. Mm. So th- they don't fully understand the do. Right. right. And so we have to work with them on that. But what they rarely know about is the I. Who am I? What has happened right. to me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think to to become very inquisitive about who we are and how we became that. Those those two specific questions. Who am I and how did I become me? Yeah. The, the moment you begin to answer those two questions, uh, especially from a Christian concept, because now you're, you're, you're saying, here's the sovereignty of God that has allowed some things to happen in my life. And then beyond that, here is God's intervention in my life, the salvation that he has given to me that's transforming me. Yeah. Uh, once you start looking at those two questions, a lot of those answers begin to come to light of, of who am I? How did I get here? And then what parts of me need, need changing and how is God going to go about changing that? Um, mm. that, that that's a pursuit that, that is worthy. And here's what I love about this age group. You guys are just now to a point in your life where you can begin to ask those questions. Yeah. A, a, a 17-year-old, a 16-year-old really can't a- ask that question. Their brain isn't developed enough mm-hmm. uh, to have that kind of objectivity and understanding. It's not really until your early 20s that you can begin to ask some of those questions of, who am I? How did I get here? And you're not going to ha- really have that answer probably for another decade. Of course. Uh, but, it, but it's a worthy pursuit. And, and the more, the better you you understand who I am and how I got here, the least impact, the less impact your negative past will actually have upon you. Yeah. Uh, because as you begin to name it, uh, it loses its power over you. But as yeah. long as you remain ignorant of it, uh, you will actually simply be repeating your past, never recognizing it. Wow. Okay. So be really curious, be inquisitive, ask all the questions, and then maybe take all that 
and take it to someone else and say, okay, help me sort through this. And oftentimes I think you said something that we might just gloss over, but maybe sometimes the best person is not your romantic partner to help you sort through all of that. And I know the tendency is to share the full story with the person you are emotionally connected to with, which is your boyfriend, your girlfriend. But honestly, like maybe you just need someone who's a great friend or even a wise mentor to help you sift that when there's not the the burden on the person you're dating of helping you sort all that. Yeah, no question. And, and especially from the standpoint, especially from a dating perspective, yeah. that person doesn't deserve your full heart or trust yet. They haven't been willing yeah. to lay down their life for you. Right. And, and so that if I if I were to figure out a way to run your relationship, it would probably be this, <laughs> speed it up. Mm-hmm. And so how can how can I get you to trust the person more than you actually should right now, to share more than you should right now because they haven't deserved it yet? That would be the best way I could kill your relationship. Mm. And so these types of issues, yeah, husband and wife down the road, absolutely, you can share that kind of thing. In a dating relationship, no, this is not the avenue for that. I'm going to have a trusted friend, a mentor, a counselor, a pastor who's going to be assisting me in those in those areas. This is This is not a romantic relationship kind of topic. Love it. All right. Before we get to our last question, any follow-up questions? Anything else on you guys' mind? No, I thought that was great. So good. Same. Okay. Same here. Perfect. All right. What a question, Leans, and it went so many different places. I love (laughs) it. So good. So, Kevin, the question that we always ask at the end of the podcast is, what is the one thing that you would say to a young Christian leader? Yeah, well, I, I think on this topic, it, it, it fits in whether you're a Christian leader or not, is, is the question, who are you and how did you get there? Mm. Um, that be, will begin to answer the question of what is God attempting to do with your life? And and what I love about that, I mean, it goes back to, into Henry Nouwen's Wounded Healer, those kind of topics. Uh, chances are your greatest opportunity for leadership is found in your deepest pain. Right. And if you will allow God to touch that deepest pain, uh, it will give you credibility with other people. It will give you empathy in what they're going through, and it will give you experience then to point toward Jesus in the midst of that. Wow. So, so ask, who am I? How did I get here? And uh, God will use you in amazing ways. Love it. Very cool. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. We really appreciate all the insight and wisdom yeah. that you poured into us. Thank you. Thank you for joining us today on the Thrive College Podcast. We hope that today's episode has empowered you to navigate the challenges and the opportunities of your future and your faith. If you really enjoyed our conversation today and appreciated what we had to offer, we would love for you to write a five-star written review and share it with your friends. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week.